This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, a happy Tuesday, a happy Merdeka Eve to all Malaysians as we celebrate 65 years of independence. It's 6am and of course you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Xiaoning with the dapper Philip C, who... I think I'll out him. It's his birthday, by the way. It so, feels great being 21. It feels <laughs> wonderful being 21, 21 times. Okay, yeah, 20, 21 times. <laughs> IQ still 21? Of course. Mentally 21, Mentally 21 physically 21, emotionally 21, 21. everything okay. 21. Everything just never shifted very much, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Uh, but for those who are probably maybe taking a bit of a break, do drive carefully. Today it's a bit wet, so the roads might be a bit slippery. Yes. Um, and hopefully no tanks break down, <laughs> causing traffic jams all over KL. I've got to say, I'm pretty excited about the parade that's going to be, you know, which will take place tomorrow because it seems like it's going to be a big one. Yeah, I think they're expecting as many as 50,000 people. It's, you know, it's been ages since we've seen anything like this, right? Because of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's... And, o- and over the weekend, there were so many drills. And from our studio vantage point, right, you can actually see like these uh, artillery and, you know, flying helicopters flying, flying right? around, I think preparing for all their drills and such. It's going to be a very interesting parade tomorrow. And as you know, it's before G15. So I think all the patriotic colours will come out in full force. I certainly hope so. Despite all things, it's pr- I'm proud to be Malaysian. For sure. Uh, but we have a very exciting Madeka Eve show this morning. Six, uh, 65 years old. So we, we look back at Malaysian politics and notice the changes. And one big change is, of course, coalition politics. But is it good or bad for the country? We asked Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas, that question. And at 7.30, the Human Ministry has... Div- Sorry, human, resource. Human, human resource. That's my, my ministry. typo. <laughs> I was like, what? The ministry? Isn't every ministry run by humans? <laughs> but in any case, the Human Resources Ministry has delayed the implementation of certain amendments to the Employment Act. Why? Especially since they were already debated in Parliament more than a year ago. Dr. Nias Asadullah, Southeast Asia lead of the Global Labour Organization and Professor of Economics at Monash University Malaysia, gives his answer. Oh, okay. And then at 7.45, like I say, we're 65 years old, right? And like all things, it's good for a bit of a review, including our framework of existing laws. So uh, Datuk Malik Imtias, constitutional lawyer, tells us what are the urgent revisions that is required. This could take a whole day. (laughs) Yeah, there are some laws that go way, way back that don't reflect how things actually happen. For For example, gaming law. But gaming law doesn't include things like online gaming, which which is like everyone can access nowadays. It's all the product of the British law system, which hasn't amended since then. Yeah, well, it, uh, it as we know, it takes quite some time for any new law to be passed. Bipartisanship is not the easiest, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop and look at some of the... I guess the laws that don't make any sense anymore. Absolutely. Uh, but all this and more, keep it here on BFM 89.9. 6.08, Tuesday the 30th of August, you're listening to The Morning Run and that was Can I Get a Witness by Martin Gay. For I, what? I don't know. <laughs> for, what did you do, Shaoning? I've been very good actually. I haven't had much time to do anything bad. No, um, you wouldn't need witness to justify the good works you oh, yeah, did, exactly, not, exactly. not the bad things you did. What I was thinking, what I was... Yeah, that was a trap. That was an intentional trap. Okay, okay. Oops, oops, I fell into it. I really <laughs> fell right into it. What naughty things then did you get into? Bake cake, go running, cake, visit my pala. fishmonger, my vegetable seller on Bake Sunday. Bake cake, visit a fishmonger, all right. Yeah, it's very, it. very Dowsville weekend. <laughs> and even tomorrow, which is a public holiday, we were just talking about it a minute ago, about what I was going to do. 
and it's like go running again. <laughs> go running, secret supper club, which I thought sounded quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. My family organized a se- uh, with this lady who apparently is quite famous to try this new secret supper club. Yeah, I thought we should be a bit more adventurous when it comes to dining in KL. But I would have to say, I've been out and about in the restaurants and it is packed. People have cabin fever. They so badly want to go out and eat mm, again. Yes, yes. And it's nice because it shows that the economy is beginning to recover. But my wish, of course, in, on this Medeka Day is recovery is even for all. For sure. I think we hope that, you know, I think that someone actually tries to address the inequalities in this country. Yeah, it's not only just between individuals, right? It's also between states. And I think we forget that because some of the poorest states in Malaysia are like Kelantan, Sabah, Sarawak. And after 65 years, we have to ask this question, why? Have we made progress for all? Yeah. It's the big question, yes, I think. Yes, Do we need to change the conversation to needs space more than anything else? After all, isn't the theme Keluarga Malaysia? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the the big debate is, I think, you know, who is our family? Who do we look for, right? Who mm. do we, how, how what's our belonging? How do we define our identity, right? Exactly. Uh, okay, but shifting on to the articles that are caught our eye, we're talking about another family out there. And I would say it's the weirdest family, one of the weirdest families you can find. Well, actually, not really. I think this family is a bit reflective of every family. Yeah. In I, one I, way or another. And it's the Simpsons. <laughs> I love that. I love this uh, sitcom. For me, it, it really helped me identify and understand American culture very well. I watched it when I was a teen, I think early teens. It got me really hooked on to, into comedy. Mm. It got me hooked into you know, the dry, dry humour that yeah. is prevalent everywhere now. So I really love this uh, sitcom. It really informed me and guided me and got me a good taste of what American culture was. Was it really truly reflective of American culture? But let's, let's give some context first because this is an article from the Financial Times and it is entitled How the Simpsons Became a Shared Language for My Generation. And do you know this is one of the longest running shows, right? I think it's something like 15 seasons, 16 seasons. And you're right, it captured a certain moment of America. But what's interesting is it's not really super static. It it tends to move a little bit and it even has the creators actually apologise for some of the caricatures that they inserted into the show in the early parts, which they now think looks a bit racist, right? Doesn't look accurate. But there's some still relevant. Like, everyone has a Mr. Burns. Everybody has a boss that's like Mr. Burns, isn't it? Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? I'm staring right at your face, right? (laughs) I wish I was that rich. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you have a full head of hair. Yes, thank you. Very nice one too, by the way. Yes. But it's very interesting because all the memes and emoticons, emojis and all that still resonate now. So, you know, this is considered... You know, a show that's been 30 years in the Mm. making, but still, you know, it's still popping up in my social media posts. People use it for a lot of references. I love the one with Homer Simpson slowly, you know, going going back to the hitch. hitch. I love that. I love that. That's That's hilarious. That GIF like represents my life completely, right? Especially when I make multiple errors on air and in my real life too, Correct. Because right? we always feel a bit shamed and we're just like, oh, can the world just absorb me again? Absolutely. You know? So I find that it's able to transcend time, transcend generations because that's, I think, the power of this uh, you know, show in that the, the visuals are very basic. They're not intended to be stimulating or no, no. so beautiful, but it's the language, it's the, it's the words and the thing that he says which are very powerful. I think, you know what, the, this article highlights that actually is a whole team of writers that get together to pack the show with as many jokes as possible. So it's actually down to real talent also to make it amusing and entertaining. Yeah, but not too overly packed. Yeah, but what I find interesting, okay, maybe this is gender stereotyping and it's a bit unfair, but do you notice in this 
uh, in The Simpsons, it's the women in the family which are like the... The, competent. One, the competent, the hardworking, the alert yeah. ones, they kind of have a vision for themselves. They want a future. Yeah. You know, where, and it's like, is that reflective, I mean, of life? I, Perhaps I don't it's know. ahead of its time because it talks about women really taking the lead, the ones who are actually the ones who are really intelligent, who actually hold the, the, whole, the whole thing together, yeah. you know, have the maturity in the room. Other adults in the room, literally. <laughs> yeah, but while the men are like, one is... Drinking duff beer and, and then the other, other one's, one's like, like rose skating everywhere. Yeah, so... Let me know what you think. Uh, is Simpsons one of one of your favourite shows on TV? Do you still watch it? Do you find it entertaining? Do you think it's reflective of the life that you lead? I love this favourite quote. Kids, just because I don't care doesn't mean I'm not listening. Okay. But we want to listen so you can tweet in. Our handles at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. Keep it here. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.20, Tuesday the 30th of August. And that was... I still haven't found what I'm looking for by you two. And I'm going to ask the birthday boy this question. Have you found what you're looking for, Philip? Do you I, even know what you're I looking for? I wasn't looking for anything in the first place, just living in the present. Is that your philosophy as you turn how old? As I turn 21, as I said no. just now. <laughs> Please, nobody will believe you. And I wouldn't allow fine, a 21 fine. year 42, old. 42, 42, Okay, so 42. it's 21 times 2. Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. Double the adult. Double the adult. <laughs> Double the adult. Well, no, I think it's like as you get older, you kind of think, okay, yeah, you know, some things that you were looking for, you kind of, you know, get resigned to it and say, look, actually, I'm very happy with what I have at the moment. I'm very blessed with all the things that are present around me, you know. Contentment so, is hard to find, they say. And contentment is fine. It is, it is something that I'm beginning to learn that, you know, every life is a mountain and it's important to carry light, carry lightly. Okay, so you're going to throw everything that's irrelevant and unnecessary off your little backpack. That's the goal. That's the goal. It's not easy to do, but I think that's the intention. Does it include your friends like us at BFM? <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think, I honestly think or friends... Are friends are the ones that help you push yourself, push you up the hill as you go along. That's why they're called friends. Okay. That's that why they're called so friends. so true. Uh, but in the meantime, we are looking at this article from The Economist, which of course has to be chosen by the birthday boy, right? <laughs> because it's a very atas newspaper. Of course. It's not, Economist is not magazine. By the way, it's a newspaper. They call themselves this. And it's by our favourite column, isn't it? Yeah, it's by Bartleby. And the question is, is travelling to work always a waste of time? And I think this, uh, the colonist is in defence of commuting, saying that actually commuting is actually... Uh, very, very important. A big plus, and I couldn't agree more, you know, during the pandemic, I did actually miss com commuting and going to work. Okay, because it's ritualistic. I mean, why do you... What, okay, let's, let's examine this. Mm. What are the aspects of commuting that you are in favour of? And then I, I will be the Debbie Downer and tell you what I hate. Okay, I like the space between work and home. Okay. That before I transition from work, before I meet my family, when I reach home, mm. there's a space for me to decompress, unpack before I hit home. Because I realised actually... But this is on the journey back? What on the about journey the back. On the journey in also, it helps me think about what I need to do heading to work. It okay. makes me reflect and think about, you know, the things I need to do as I prepare the week ahead. Because... At home, you're just immersed with all the things around me, my dogs, my mom and such, right? Mm. So just like leaving the house and then changing and your mindset, I think is very important. So commuting helps me do that. Okay. Uh, I'll be the Debbie Downer, mm. right? And tell you why it's a pain. Because Malaysia, we are famous for traffic jams. Yes. And hours and hours and hours of it. I think there's some study that says that I don't know how many hours are wasted. And, you know, they've tried to do a, a calculation in terms of economy, economy, like how negative it is for us that we spend... 
excessive amount That's of true. time uh, on in traffic jams and yeah you know we, if we probably all did public transport which is a which is ideal that might actually be better for for the environment you know things like that right for me i i don't mind commuting but i think we also spend too much of it so so two two perspectives there i don't mind commuting to bfm simply because we, we commute at 4 4 30 in the morning there's nobody so there's nobody there's nobody there's it's no a one clean road so yeah. and we leave also about 10 30 11 i leave early but your guys leave at one o'clock it's also not jam yeah, at all we, so leave, we have odd hours but i empathize with the ordinary mm. joe that has to drive to work and be in the office by 8.30 and then he gets off or she gets yeah, off at yeah. 5.30 and traffic is just absolute chaos. And I used to do that in my old life, right? Imagine when it rains. Oh, it's a, oh, nightmare. It's a nightmare. And recently with all the road closures because of the Medeka Day parades, traffic was even standstill over the weekend. <laughs> That's true, because of a tank. Yeah, so... <laughs> Just think about all the man hours wasted. But okay, so that's life. You you can't really change it so much, right? Maybe you can take public transport so then you're not so stressed. But then I would think, how do we make the best out of it? How do we use the you time? You have to listen to BFM. Of course. Of course. Of course. We keep your company all we the way. Add, we, we add to your irrelevant fountain of knowledge. Excuse me, it's not irrelevant. It's totally <laughs> relevant. What are you talking about? I have to say though, when I started my first job, I was in London. I commuted. I took public transport mm. to the tube, and it felt made me feel in one with the community. Like I wasn't only going in agony to work. I was everyone in, was in everyone agony. was in agony as well. So it felt like kindred spirits, you know, heading all into some like black hole. We um, all heading into this black hole together. Well, for me, commuting because you know I drive here. I mean, we can't take a train. Well, mm. at four in the morning, good luck taking a train to work. There's no trains. How do I de like you know? How do I make the most out of it? Um, actually, I just listen to a lot of podcasts, podcasts that I really, really want to listen to, which I've kind of stored and put away. So I think, yeah, in life, sometimes you can't change the circumstances, right? You can't avoid a traffic jam. You just have to make the most out of it and make it a ritual for yourself that you be, that you enjoy. So it just takes away the little bit of the sting, the pain yeah. of a traffic make jam. Make the most of the current situation. Make the most out of a current situation. So let us know what you think. How do you, how do you kind of get over the problem, the pain, the sting of a traffic jam? Let us know what you think. You can WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. Or of course, you can tweet in. Our handle is at BFM Radio. Up next is the 6.30 News Bulletin. And to take us out is Why Does It Always Rain On Me by Travis. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.40, Tuesday, the 30th of August, and that was Red Red Wine by UB40. Now, at this time of the morning, we look through all the international headlines that have caught our eye, be it the papers, be it portals, even blogs, I have to say, sometimes get thrown in. Uh, what has caught your eye, Phil? Why don't you start? Let the I'll, birthday boy start. I'll start with Bloomberg because Singapore is unveiling... That's my favourite, excuse it's, me. It's a really good... I, I don't know. I love Bloomberg because it's just great at summarising all the relevant issues in such a short space of time. And in this case, Singapore is unveiling long-term work visas to end its talent crunch. So expats earning $30,000 a month can get five-year work passes. And the duration of local job apps will be halved to 14 days for some 
employment passes. So it really, I think, Singapore really trying very hard to attract foreign workers mm. to ease those tight labour markets. So this is going to help them and there's also a provision to allow their dependents to seek employment as well. Okay, but there are uh, exceptions. So exceptional candidates in sports, arts, science and academia who don't meet the salary criteria are also eligible because I think if it's 30000 per month, Sing Dollar by the way, which is almost 90, well, close to 100000 ringgit a month, you would imagine that these people would probably come from uh, investment bankers. bankers. Yeah. Investment bankers, maybe some lawyers Senior thrown bankers. in, mm. maybe some people who work in tech, like for Meta. Um, Literally, it's Google, C-suite. Yeah, this is C-suite, C-suite position. And certain kind of industries, even within C-suite. Okay? Yeah. It's not just everybody. But I like the fact that they have also extended it to things like arts, academia. Mm. It shows the direction that Singapore wants to take in terms of uh, where they're focusing on. It's a small island, so I think they can pick and choose the talent they want. I and think that's, that's, that's I think, key here, right? And clearly, this is not going to upset the locals, right? Because you're really telling them, you know, that, hey, we want the best, the cream of the cream. So don't worry, these people aren't necessarily going to take your jobs, which is always that push and pull when you have any um, a kind of a program to attract external talent. So I always wonder why is it we can't replicate this here in Malaysia in the sense of what Singapore does was that they would, you know, post a job and prioritise it for locals. Yes. Give them a certain amount of days for them to apply. There are no applications. They don't meet the requirements. Then you throw it over yeah, to I foreign workers. I think it used workers. to be the criteria for jobs above $5,000. I'm not sure whether that's mm. changed. Yeah. Uh, we don't have... Don't, do we have such a programme here? I just, I, I'm trying to recall. I don't think we do. But I think that's a very fair way of yeah. giving locals a fair shot at the jobs. And then if they can't meet the required here then open it up to the broader market well here we kind of like to flip-flop right um which we'll be talking about That's at right. 7 30 because we we were already going to make some amendments to the employment act and now we have done a bit of a u-turn it's not a u-turn delay, so much delay. as a delay yeah yeah delay. that's a better choice of words and of course uh, i will be heading for the moon like all literally, things. literally or figuratively figuratively <laughs> Figuratively, as y'all know, I'm not into space travel. I'm not um, a scary cat. Uh, I don't mind flying, but I don't think I want to get to the moon because I worry whether I can come back. But apparently, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's not apparently, it's true. NASA's Artemis launch has been postponed after engine procedure fails on moon rocket. So the agency has said that it needs time to determine why one of the engines didn't get the temperature range needed to attempt liftoff. Because this year, in the next few years, I think that's one the space race is on to to get a man to the moon and back again. It's a massive uh, rocket, yeah. 32-storey tall, two-stage space launch system rocket and its Orion crew were meant to lift off. But the countdown was halted 40 minutes before the launch time. I mean, this was the last time since they brought a man to the moon was when? Ages. Ages. I think I wasn't even born yet, I think. Uh, I'm trying desperately to remember when, <laughs> maybe before I was born also. Uh, but changing tack, we're going to look at Ukraine, right? Six months into the war, guess what? The Financial Times is reporting that Ukraine has said that counteroffensive is beginning against Russian forces near Kherson. Looks like they're trying to take back uh, territory that the Russians have actually taken over in the earlier part of the war. Yeah, so I, so it's a counteroffensive. It's a counteroffensive, and I see also Ukrainian troops entering Russian territory, even outside the 
you, you Russian dominated positions of Ukraine. And I think just a couple of days back, didn't we see Russia try to bolster their troop size by 10%? I wonder if it's really going to make a difference because the UK Ministry of Defense said it won't really move the needle so much. And the question really is, Will the sanctions bite? When will Russia capitulate is the question. It doesn't look like they're going to capitulate. Under what circumstances will they? In fact, their mm. economy is booming despite all the sanctions. Thanks very much to all prices is where they are. And we know sanctions, we've seen it in the likes of North Korea, especially in Iran. After a while, the efficacy of it really dwindles down. And you know what? People are smart. They know how to get around sanctions, actually. They can get whatever they want. No, it's not a challenge. Of initially, it is. Mm, yeah. And then after a while, so they figure a, a, a way. And the economy, like Russia, as long as... You know, oil prices remain currently $100 US dollars a barrel for brand crude. It'll be fine. It'll tick along very nicely. So that's where the question is, you know, someone like North Korea and Iran, where perhaps they were never connected to the global market, they would have not been so affected. But Russia was before in the past, right? But as you say, right, how much can you stop oil production? Because Europe is really in, yes, is struggling. Yes, and winter months are coming up and Germany... Uh, is struggling to actually fill their gas stores ahead of the ahead of winter, and this is even reported on Bloomberg. Uh, but that's all the international news that have, that has caught our eye. Up next, of course, the local news. But keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine six fifty Tuesday, thirtieth of August, the eve of Merdeka, and you're listening to the morning run with Philip C. I'm Wong Shaoning, and that song was always the sun by the Stranglers, and we certainly hope the sun comes out later on this morning. But Phil, it's your birthday, so how are you treating yourself? I'm going to have a caramel macchiato. Really? Yes. Guess who isn't having one? But never mind. <laughs> never mind. Well, and you're wondering why we brought it up. Google a little Google bit. Google a little bit and find Google out. Google right. a little yes. bit. Okay, so local papers, local news at this hour. What has caught your eye? New Straits Times, page four, page two, actually. Eateries need 30,000 workers. And as a result, 1,500 restaurants have closed this year due to worker shortages and rising costs, according to the Malaysian Employers Federation. Okay, I want to be the Debbie Downer and I want to be a little bit cynical. Could it be just because there wasn't the restaurants didn't serve good enough food that people wanted to actually eat. I mean, it's just the cycle of business, isn't it? It's the cycle it? of business. Right? You, some op- some will open and some will close. We can't save everybody and some businesses <coughs> need to actually adapt. Yeah, I think that's a big problem. But I think that the reality is there are serious long waits to ease a shortage of foreign workers, right? Yeah. That the number of foreign workers entering the country really are still not meeting the demand. I think the point is that before the pandemic, we had about 1.5 million workers and that's the demands required now and I think we are far from from that requirement. Yeah. Why is it taking so long? Am I am I talking to the void? Sorry. There I was think, a bit of a silence I think there. You are. I think that void was intentional because only 47,000 47, workers have come in so far. That's the number so far, right? Weren't there something like 400,000 applications? So what's the delay? I have no idea, but I think this is where the, the whole issue is that whole immigration department, foreign workers, central management system website, I think it's just taking a bit longer than it takes for approvals. Okay, I'm, talk- I'm also staring into the void, <laughs> right? I mean, we want our economy to recover, right? We want to help businesses get back on their feet. We don't want labour to be an excuse why they close down. And yeah. to me, that's one sad reason. 
That's very true because even I think some people are saying like an example was cited in the Star newspaper, the Muslim Restaurant Association owner saying that only 20% of their members have received approvals to bring in foreign workers. So it seems like the approval process is taking quite a long time. And even when they arrive at KLI, apparently it takes about four to five hours for clearance at KLI for foreign workers. Why? Oh, sorry, I'm talking to the void again. Again, you're asking the questions, yeah, which yeah. we can't give you the answer, Shaoning. I'm sorry if I've got so many questions. I'm a little bit of a capo person this morning, but yeah, why? And then there's silence again. But I tell you If what, anybody has the answers, let us know. Yeah, please, please WhatsApp us, right? But yeah. I think another interesting story was, I think we should never avoid this one about G15, Tokmat. Uh, Barisan National Deputy Chairman Dato Sri Mohammad Hassan has said PM has said G15 will not go beyond this year Ooh. that's his apparent commitment really he did not give a date although he did say that he won't drag it until next year well the we had a conversation with Ibrahim Sufyan who's Program Director at Medica Centre you can listen to that podcast on our BFM app or of course on our website and Ben basically said there are three windows one window is actually in November after budget, which is now October 7th. And then another window probably before fasting month uh, next year, which is yeah. sometime in March. And then followed by, of course, when it has to happen, which is when Parliament gets automatically dissolved in July. And so I think that latest is September. Yeah. So if we were to follow Tokmat's prediction... It's- then it's going to be November, guys. Yeah. Everybody uh, get ready. But uh, what's interesting is the Free Malaysia Today also quotes Tokmat and says that BN seat quota system to be reviewed. Uh, so it looks like uh, the distribution of election seats between component parties is going might be changed. I wonder what what's does this the mean? basis, it, right? Is yeah. this the breakdown by the different polit- co- coalition parties? I'm not sure. And we have new parties trying to join Barisa National, isn't it? That's true. That, well, I think this is where it's interesting because you see that that the part exodus, right, to Bersatu in the past, mm. whether that also eases them up a bit. Or are there more people coming back from Bersatu? Mm. And then the question also is about injecting new faces into the election. That could also change and upend the quota system. Now, this is uh, another thing that caught my eye in the Malay Mail is basically there have been recent calls uh, for Ismail Sabri to actually replace the AG over Najib's SRC conviction. So three Malaysian lawyer bodies have criticised politicians' demands for the Prime Minister to interfere in the country's justice system, calling this appalling and unconstitutional. And I agree. Uh, We need institutions to actually remain independent. Otherwise, there are no checks and balances and we would be back to square one, right? Because, you know, all these... Uh, be it, uh, and what would I say, corrupt procurement, corrupt practices, who's going to keep an eye on it? Yeah, I think so. I think that independence is very key. And I think just build, continuing to that, I'm no president Zahid Hamidi has said that the graph case involving Yayasan Akabudi against him was a political prosecution after the Barisan National Coalition was defeated in the 14th general election. Oh, okay. Uh, Martyred. Martyred. But that's all the local news uh, we have for you. Up next, of course, is the 7 a.m. news bulletin. And the take us out is Can You Feel It? by the Jackson 5. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.